Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. One P that is always here, and you can count on is Gerald. I'm here every week, and then I bring in a guest P to be the other P on the pod. And this week, it's very exciting because it's a dear, dear friend of the show, a patron of the show. He's been on before. We'll have to reminisce a little bit about what the previous topics were. I think I know, but my memory's leaving me in my old age. Julio from the Contrarians is back. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, I love being the other P. Yeah, <laughs> you're the other P in my life, man. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, you're you're the main P, so that means that you you have to deal with all the post production. Right, you're sure. the post production P, and I'm just sure. A, I come in, I do my P thing, and then I leave. The post production P. That's a lot of P's. That's P. <laughs> that's P P P. Oh man! Well, Julio, you're from the Contrarians. You've been on before. Now, remind me, we um we did what do we do? Like movies that everybody hates that we love, or something like that. We it did was, something uh, like that. It was rotten movies. Like went uh, yeah. to Tomato Meter. Rotten movies are actually good. Right, right. And then we and did then, uh, cringe moments. Oh, was it like yeah, dude? That was a deep yeah, <laughs> cringeworthy moments or so, or cringeworthy movies or something like that. Yeah, that was brutal. Because yeah. I had like human centipede and like it was like stuff that I didn't want to rewatch for the episode. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, and then we did uh, the uh, what was it? We did one more. Oh, uh, movies. Was it? was it movies that made you cry or? Oh, well, no, yeah, movies where, where they cry. Movies where, where the characters the, uh, cry. Actors cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, Julio, what's interesting about you as a guest? I love having you because you always pick these really cool, like, kind of niche topics that. I don't know. I don't feel like shows are really covering in the way that you kind of tackle them. So. Tell everyone in your if you were titling the episode tonight, what would be the title of what we're doing tonight? All right. So I don't know that this one says niche, but I guess I it, is, it is in a way. I think it is from a certain angle. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we're talking about we're gonna give our top five winner writer movie moments. Yeah. Now, see, to me, that's niche because. Like, even when you pitch it to me, I was like, oh, so we'll just do, like, our favorite movies with a note. And you're like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so we'll do, like, one note of performances. And you're like, no, 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 we're not going to do that either. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you've really, like, honed in to, like, a specific kind of angle here. And it was really cool to do the research for it, which I actually just did tonight. So, I apologize. But I feel good about my list, though. Yeah, I mean, we're and both I, Winona fans. So, I figured oh, we man, had a, a foundation already there. Yeah, die hard. I, I gave you a list. You know, I do this with pretty much all the guests that I have on the show. And I have this kind of like to-do list of shows that have gotten, you know, suggested to me over the years and that I just have never gotten around to doing a countdown on. And so I share that with you and some other peeps and you were like, 
No, I don't want to do any of that shit. <laughs> that <laughs> I want to do, do what no, Notoriety. No, 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 no. It's, it's more like I would love to do all of those things, <laughs> but. Even yeah. more so, I would love to talk about being a writer. So, with that being said, what is now? I'll piggyback on you a little bit, but why did you want to not only discuss Winona Ryder tonight, but like her movie moments as opposed to just like her best performances? Like, what kind of is the differentiating thing there for you? Well, I think that this would be this allows for more variety. I think. Um, mm-hmm. especially if I'm talking to a fellow with not a writer fan, I think that there's a pretty good chance that if we were just talking about movies or performances, we would have a lot of overlap. But yeah. with moments, I, I'm i going to go out there. I, I don't think that we're going to have any overlap, especially because oh, I've, wow. well, I've constructed my list in such a way where I don't think that we'll have overlap. Uh, a couple of years wow. ago on, on our show, we, okay. we did a whole run of Winona Ryder uh, mm-hmm, movies mm, mm-hmm. and when we were done like we did I did pick like out of the movies that we'd watch I picked my top three Winona moments and so I've already taken those off the off the table for this list oh, uh, okay. so you might have them because those, those are you know I think they're pretty iconic but I just to make things a little uh, more interesting I, I'm not gonna mention those and then I was like there's you know she has a pretty vast filmography and <laughs> she's done a lot mm-hmm. of things so uh, mm-hmm. i think i can i can pick 10 you know my top five of my honorary mentions like i i think that they're all moments that are not gonna we may have movies in common but i don't think we're gonna have sure, moments sure. in common. interesting so you know one other writer for me i mean i love her like you said at the top i mean one of my favorite actresses going really back to the 80s uh well i don't want to mention any titles right now because They'll most likely come up tonight at one point or another, or several points or another. But definitely in the 90s, she really stole my heart. And, you know, with some other films that have remained just some of my favorites of all time. And she really had that kind of like, you know, quirky kind of goth thing going for her, which, you know, maybe like a few years later, like a Christina Ricci type actress may be in that category too. But she was really like, at least in the late 80s into like early to mid 90s, like really unique because... She did start to stretch her legs a little bit and she, you know, spread her wings and she got nominated for some Academy Awards. And but in the early part of her career, you know what I mean? She just really kind of had that like kind of like gothic teen thing going that nobody was really doing, at least on the level of success that she was. Would you agree with that? Yeah, she was definitely I think that every every now and then you get an actor or actress that has that that thing where they just you know, you look at their career and like, this is really exciting because they're really mm-hmm. talented and they're doing so many different things. And I, I can't wait to see what happens next. And sometimes that, I think, lasts a long time. And sometimes they hit a wall and then they disappear for a little bit. And then you're like, are they coming back or not? And then they come mm-hmm. back and then there's, you know, you can see stages in their career. And I think mm-hmm. that with Luna Ryder, there's definitely that early stage when she was just really young, uh, I, I wouldn't, maybe not a child actress, but basically a teen actress, yeah, up sure. to like, re- she reached adulthood, then she went away for a while, and then she came back. She, there's like a transition period where, I, I don't even know if you've seen, like most of the movies that she did in like the, the late 2000s, like, you know, 2005 to 2010, and maybe even the early 2010s, there's a lot of like supporting roles in smaller movies that are kind of... Nothing mm-hmm. particularly exceptional, but she's still good. And then she hits Stranger Things, and now she's oh, now she's popular again. <laughs> and right, it's like, yeah. what's she gonna do next? Yeah, there is a little bit of a you know dark spot in her filmography for me, and it would be that like later two thousands kind of era because when I was looking on IMDb today and I was doing some research on Letterbox and other stuff, 
there's like a lot of movies I haven't seen of hers and all of them are pretty much like in the late 2000s, you know, like I, I just didn't, I don't know if it, cause it wasn't, you know, promoted as like a one owner project or, you know, it wasn't like a huge box office draw or it wasn't like, you know, popular on social media. I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, there's probably anywhere from like five to 10 movies of hers that I just didn't see in like a 10 year period, you know? And that's a shame because I wish I could have seen all of them for this episode, if nothing else. Dude, all of mine are from pre-2000 with the exception of one in my honorable mentions. <laughs> so Don't worry. Very, I'll, I'll bring some of the post-2000s heat. Very nostalgia heavy for me uh, when I kind of fell in love with her, which was really in the 90s, but I was introduced to her in the 80s with some iconic films that, that I love, you know, some of my favorite films of all time still to this day. So why don't you get us started, man? Now, we're doing our top five, and we'll, of course, we'll have honorables at the end, but we're doing our top five Winona Ryder movie moments. So these are our favorite moments that Winona was involved in, in feature-length films, and I'm going to let Julio get us started. What's your number five, man? All right. Gerald, we're going to start exactly in 1990. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, I don't know if this is peak Winona Ryder. No, I would say peak comes, peak Winona Ryder comes a few years later. But this is definitely Winona Ryder coming into her own as an actress. She is in this movie. I wonder if you've seen this one. Because I hadn't until a couple of years ago. It's called mm-hmm. Mermaids, where yeah. she plays Cher's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cher is Mrs. Flax and Winona is Charlotte. Flags. And you mentioned Christina Ricci earlier. Christina yeah, Ricci plays Christina Ricci. her younger mm-hmm. sister. I want to say it happens like halfway through the movie. The, the whole point of the movie is that they she has a very contentious uh, relationship with her mom, Winona mm-hmm. and Cher, always butting heads. And, uh, you know, that uh, Cher is very uh, kind of like flighty. She has this sort of romance with... Uh, Super Mario himself, Bob Hoskins. Bob Haskins, yeah. yeah. And they, I guess she doesn't take it as seriously as as Bob Hoskins would like or as Winona would like. And on the other hand, Winona is navigating her early teen years. She has a crush on an older guy. Anyway, all this tension kind of goes away in this one sequence where the the three women, you know, Cher, Winona, and Christina Ricci are making breakfast or setting the table. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they start dancing to that song, uh, If You Want to Be Happy for the Rest of Your Life. That's the title of the song, or uh, just the chorus? I know what you're... Uh, I can picture the scene in my head, but I don't remember the song. Yeah. I have, a, I have a different moment from this movie, which is ironic, but it's my number six, though. It's right outside my top five. But. Excellent. Yeah. No real crossover then. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're dancing. You can find the, the scene on YouTube. I encourage anybody who hasn't seen Mermaids, look up just without a writer, share, dance, Mermaids. And it's yeah. it goes for almost two minutes. They're having so much fun, <laughs> and uh, yeah. they go through a whole dance routine while they're setting the table. It's it's amazing, and it's just very yeah, it's endearing. Really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's very charming. Uh, my my scene from this movie that would that was really really close to being my number five, but like I said, it fell at number six. Is when her and her mom get into that big fight in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and they just kind of blow up at each other because. Uh, you know, Cher's packing to leave town again, and Winona doesn't want to leave because she's in love with this guy and whatever. And they just have that kind of knockdown, drag out fight, and uh, Cher ends up slapping her. And I love Winona's acting in that in that scene. Like, I feel like she really, really that was like if she had been nominated for an Oscar, that would have been the Oscar clip yes. was from this from this scene. Her the fight with her mom, and you know, uh, Cher's like, "Oh, why do you want to stay? You want to be the town tramp?" And Winona's like, "No, the town already has one." Ooh, and it's like, yeah, I it's to her, that. you know. And then her mom <laughs> slaps her cold, you know. 
Um, so they get really top of their lungs kind of argument. And uh, that would have been my scene. But that's a great movie. I, you know, I, I watched a couple scenes on YouTube today when I was preparing my list because I haven't seen that movie in a long time. But I remember it very fondly. And I think it's a great film. So I'm glad that you gave it some love, too. So that's your number five from Mermaids, 1990. The Kitchen now, Dance. Yeah, The Kitchen Dance. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens in the kitchen in that movie, I'm noticing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My number five, you know, Creepy Gerald's here. I mean, you know that. Oh, boy. This early. Wow. Here we go. Wow. 1992, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, (laughs) I knew it was going to show up on one spot for you, at least. Yeah. So, for sure. Uh, You know, it's going back and forth with this one in Mermaids. But this is just such an iconic film from Francis Ford Coppola, the imagery, just me being a horror guy, just the kind of the gothic, dark, dreary way that Coppola tells this, obviously, historic novel is just tremendous. But Winona Ryder was cast beautifully as Mina, this kind of innocent, you know, girl who ends up turning into this kind of lustful temptress towards by the end of the movie, which is where my scene comes in. Uh, it's kind of with her, I didn't really know what to call it. So I just said Mina's transformation while Van Helsing is waiting for Dracula. So towards the end, Mina, you know, is becoming a vampire and she, mm-hmm. uh, is basically seducing Van Helsing, who's played by Anthony Hopkins. And she's basically ripping her clothes off and, uh, she's, you know, scratching her breast and like, uh, you know, she's telling him, you know, I know what men desire and they actually end up kissing briefly before she attempts to bite his neck and he escapes from that attack or whatever. And the scene is really cool too, because then it uh, culminates into one of the most infamous scenes from the movie when Anthony Hopkins chops off the heads Mm -hmm. of the three vampires and he's just yelling for Dracula to come out. Of course it's daylight out, so he can't at that moment. But anyway, the, it's just kind of the lustful transformation that Winona undergoes and it's so sexy and it's so kind of tragic at the same time. It's also somewhat romantic because She's like kind of defending Dracula's honor in that moment and uh, kind of standing up for him against Van Helsing when all Van Helsing's trying to do is basically save her life. So it's a very, a very climactic moment in the movie, and she's damn sexy in it, brother. Oh, yeah. So what do you have? What do you have to say about this scene? You know what? You know what I'm talking about, obviously. <laughs> oh, that entire movie, dude. Uh, yeah. it, she is. I mean, the, the the whole movie is very sexual, and it's not yeah. just her. I mean, uh, uh, Lucy, her friend, and Lucy. She for also sure, yeah. just the the way the couple of shoots it. And to be fair, I mean, uh, they shoot uh, Keanu and uh, Gary Oldman also. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's it's a movie about people that are horny, uh, mm-hmm. no more so than Dracula himself. And I love it. I love the movie. I wanted to find a scene to uh, to put here from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I couldn't really settle on one because I my problem. I hear this is where we differ. I think I don't find it romantic. I can't buy into the romance between Mina and Dracula. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. I, I just I hate how manipulative he is. I mean, it's I mean that's the story. You know, he's using his vampire powers to kind of sure, put her in a yeah. trance and but she happens to be the reincarnation of his lost love so i i don't know i'm not i'm not rooting for them to get together or something you know but she's great that actually that <laughs> scene right. that you call out is really good and that and also when uh at the end i guess when she puts him out of his misery she she's mm-hmm. the one that enters the castle to to kill dracula because she's the only one that can and or the, mm-hmm. the only one that should i i think that that scene is also really good it's it's a great movie uh it's just that I guess you can be Team Gerald and really buy into the romance. 
Yeah. The, the centuries old romance between them, or you can be a grump like me and be like, but, no, but she should no, be with, no. she's cheating on uh, Keanu Reeves with this dude. What's going on? I know. I mean, her kind of like just lustful, like kind of bloodlust, like sexiness in this, in this scene in particular, and really the last like quarter of the movie um, is really what I'm calling out. Mm-hmm. I just think I can just remember her kind of like, you know, are you going to chop off my head like you were going to do mm-hmm. Dracula? You know, kind of defending his honor, you yeah. know. But I don't know. I just remember her, like, sexualizing herself in that role in that scene. And, like, you know, she just uh, did something for me in 92, man. So, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, still does. So, there you go. Dracula, my number five. I'm just calling it Mina's Transformation with Van Helsing. So, I don't know if that's if everyone knows what I'm talking about. But that's my number five. And what do you got at number four, buddy? All right. Number four. Uh, we're gonna jump further ahead. Now we're we've skipped entire '90s trajectory of another writer. We're gonna land at one of the weirdest uh, projects in her filmography, at least up to that point. Like I think, if you were like me and you you saw that she was in this movie, you're like, wait, what? And mm-hmm. this is on 2002, Mr. Deeds, an Adam Sandler Ooh, movie. Okay. Are you a Mr. Deeds fan, uh, uh, Gerald? Because we did this one on the show, and Alex hated it. I haven't seen this in too long, but I remember I liked it. I like this movie. It's a, it's an Adam Sandler movie, and it's it's one of those where he has that gimmick of I'm gonna ha- make an Adam Sandler movie, but I'm gonna have one actor that that's not part of the Adam Sandler troupe, and that's right. gonna be the big thing. You know, you're like, oh, what, what's this person doing here? And in this case, it's not a writer. I guess up to a point, John Turturro too. I think this is the first time they work together. But you know, the story it's Adam Sandler is this dude. He inherits a lot of money, and we're not a writer. It's this journalist, I think, and she's very conniving, and she tries to she fakes being interested in him uh, mm-hmm. for the sake of the story. She makes up uh, an entire backstory for herself. And my scene, my moment from uh, <laughs> Mr. Deeds is the when unexpectedly, because uh, she makes up this town that she's from, uh, mm-hmm. a town that doesn't exist, or so she thinks. She uh, uh, calls it Winchesterton Fieldville. <laughs> That's the name of the town. <laughs> and somehow in the movie, Longfellow Deeds, Adam Sandler, finds the town and brings her to it as a surprise. <laughs> so, right, right. It's like they step out of the bus or the car or whatever, and Winona looks up and sees the... The town sign is like, welcome to Winchesterton and Philville. And she goes, I think she says like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sandler brings her to this bar uh, full of locals. And he's like, here, uh, here it is. I'm bringing you somebody that, that you know, you, you should remember from a long time ago and introduces her. And dude, this scene is also on, on, uh, on YouTube. You can look it up. Her name is... Uh, Pam Dawson. So something is like, look up Mr. Deeds, we know a Pam Dawson hometown. And uh, it's just her walking into the bar and everybody is looking at her and Adam Sandler introduces her. And you see on her face that she decides, okay, well, I guess I have to go along with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, yeah. she turns and smiles at everybody and says like, yeah, it's me. And then the, the, the rest of the scene is the townspeople asking her questions about her past and her just rolling with it. It's really funny. I, yeah. It's not a great movie. I think we know it's hilarious in it. Like she doesn't do comedy very often and I think that this is this was perfect uh, as far as her part was. Right. Yeah. She was able to kind of fall backwards of that role a little bit where she's kind of like, you know, the innocent charm but kind of like it, I mean, Adam Sandler does do that though. You're right. I just kind of realized that like if it was Drew Barrymore, it was Jennifer Aniston, mm-hmm. it was Winona Ryder, 
Like he he does that. I guess that's his thing. I didn't even think about that. So you just said it. But yeah, and he just but I like Mr. Over. Deeds. You like, like okay, Mr. yeah, I like it yeah, too. It's I mean, okay. it, it it's a. Uh, it, I'm not gonna go to bat and just defend it if people are are saying that they don't like it. But I would say I like. I'll defend Winona's performance because I yeah, think for sure. it, it would be easy to dismiss it. Yeah, for sure. So that's your number four, man. Mr. Deeds, I like I gotta give that one a revisit. I, I'm kind of a you know sucker for Sandler's like lighter stuff. Like I I don't mind it. I didn't really like the grown ups films. They were kind of horrible, but uh, Yeah, I mean I mean the rom coms <laughs> are okay. Yeah, the rom coms are okay though. All right, so my number four is probably ah shit, man. Don't make me say this because my top four is a powerhouse top four as far as as far as <laughs> movies go. But this might be the highest rewatchability of the films in my top five for me. Like I could watch this probably once a week and never get tired of it. And I actually did watch it once a week back in the nineties um, on VHS tape initially, and then on DVD eventually. And uh, it it, it kind of rose to popularity when I was working at a video store. So I just watched it all the time. It's remained one of my favorite movies, but it's reality bites from 1994. (laughs) I absolutely fucking love this movie. And I think you and I have talked about it before and, you know, me being kind of a student of the grunge era and loving that too. I love how that was all kind of incorporated into this in the MTV era, if you will. But anyway, the scene I'm picking is when, uh, Lelena, cause Winona plays Lelena Pierce in the movie. And she kind of has a kind of like a love him, hate him relationship with her best friend, Troy, played by Ethan Hawke, who mm-hmm. also does phenomenal in this movie. Uh, but they're best friends who kind of have this platonic relationship, but it's kind of like a will they or won't they throughout the whole movie. And there's a lot of sexual tension and you just kind of get the sense that they they should be together, you know. Well, there's a scene in the movie where it kind of comes to a head where. You know, each one is jealous of the other one's dating life and, you know, but they're kind of trying to play it off like they're tough and they're not, you know, and Lelaine is kind of talking shit about how Troy isn't paying his part of the rent because they're roommates too with, um, along with, uh, Janine Garofalo in the movie. And Troy comes in with this girl that he like picked up at a bar or whatever. And he's, you know, he comes home while she's in the middle of complaining about him. Mm-hmm. And, and she is just fucking perfect in this scene, dude. But she's just like, oh, well, look who it is. Look who graced <laughs> us with his presence, you know, or whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm just picking something up. And she goes, well, mission accomplished. Because <laughs> you know, he has a girl at the bar, uh, which was a great start to the argument. But then it, it kind of cascades into this thing where she's kind of lecturing him about, you know, doing something with his life. And you could tell that it's because if he would do something with his life, they would probably be together. And that's really where that is coming from for her. And she also cares so much about him. And he's just kind of this pothead who's like playing his band or whatever. But it comes, you know, she basically says, like, do something with your life. And she says, the world doesn't owe you any favors. (laughs) And whether you know it or not, you're on the inside track to Loserville, USA. And he just stands there stunned, like literally speechless because they just kind of have a stare down in the kitchen before Janine Garofalo, who's fucking hilarious in this movie. It's just like, all right, you know, let's just take a break, guys. Everybody take a breath, you know. And then they go down to the local coffee shop and talk shit about him, you know. Any yep. any good girlfriend would do that. But I love Reality Bites so much, and it was actually hard for me to figure out which scene to pick. But I feel like this is the best scene that, like, showcased, like, her acting prowess in this movie, at least. It's definitely an um, Oscar clip for Winona. Yeah, I, I love it. I Yeah, I, I adore uh, Reality Bites. It's uh, like you. There was a time in my life when I was watching it constantly. And mm-hmm. uh, it might have been the first Winona Ryder movie that I watched, or at least the first one that I watched where I was like, oh, this is Winona Ryder. Because I think I watched Beetlejuice first. Uh, mm-hmm. But 
no. Okay. So if you grew up around that time, I think it's one of those movies that you can relate to the most. I yeah. think that if you miss that window, you may watch it now and maybe not quite connect to it. it were you uh, were you watch the movie? Uh, and this could have changed from when you watched it, you know, years ago, and when you watch it now. But do you, are you rooting for her to get together with Ethan Hawke or Ben Stiller or be single? You know, I never really now and then I never really wanted her to be with Ben Stiller. I just felt like he's not cool enough. I don't know. I just felt <laughs> I don't know. Ethan, I mean, Ethan Hawke's a piece of shit. Yeah, you know, in the yeah. Movie, <laughs> and he's not good for her, and she deserves better. I don't know. I guess the storytelling and the script maybe just like manipulated me a little bit to where <laughs> I don't know. I just always in my mind thought that Troy and Lelena were like soulmates. You know what I mean? There was just something in the way, always something in the way, keeping them apart. But they needed to figure out a way to be back, be together. But that's probably me. You know, they they just were more alike. You know what I mean? Like I felt like Ben Stiller's character was probably purposefully meant to be this kind of like Harvard guy who was kind of like a suit, you know, mm-hmm. it just, it just didn't seem like a match for her, but it, she probably should be with somebody like that. Do you know it, what I mean? I mean, he seems like he has shit together more than, right. more than Troy, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I never liked uh, Ethan Hawke, Troy in, in this movie. And uh, even then I love the movie. It's it, to me, it's like an, a five-star movie, uh, but with those reservations, and I think that even if you watch it now, it's even like somebody who watches it with fresh eyes without the nostalgia, it's even more noticeable. It's like, why is she wasting her time with these two guys? Right, <laughs> She's, right. She can do so much better. She's Winona Ryder. Um, yeah. see, I love it. I love the soundtrack. And there is, is this your only Reality Bites pick? Yeah. Okay. So one of the the moments that I took out of, of this competition of this list because i you know it was one of my top three back when we uh talked about it on our show uh is the moment where they have the dance where they dance the gas station all right Um, yeah my sharona yeah my sharona Mm -hmm. she dances with uh uh, janine garofalo while steve zahn is jumping around like a fool and ethan hawk is to the side looking all embarrassed in front of the right just (laughs) kind of smirks at him yeah Yeah. it's such a good moment and but then i was like you know what i already have this one i'll put winona dancing on mermaids instead it's a great movie killer scene uh probably the most iconic scene from that movie is my Mm -hmm. sharona for sure yeah but but i had to pick this one just because winona just was an acting powerhouse in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. she just really, I don't know. And I guess probably in 94, I felt like she was giving me that speech. Oh, <laughs> like fucking do something. Would you yeah. don't hang around the same bar every night? I'm like, okay. Winona Ryder, I hear you. And now here I am podcasting with Julio. So I guess it works. There you go. <laughs> All right, man, you had uh, mermaids, Mr. Deeds. And what do you got at number three, buddy? Uh, number three, jumping back. I want to say this was right before Reality Bites. Reality Bites, I think, is 94. This is 1993, a team-up, an amazing team-up that hasn't happened again, at least on the director-actress side. Winona Ryder teamed up with Martin Scorsese for The Age of Innocence. Yeah, she did. Uh, I I had the pleasure of buying the Criterion uh, a few months ago. Oh, and nice. Watch, okay. Rewatching it. Uh, it's kind of a tough movie if you're a Scorsese fan, if you're a Winona fan, because it's slow and it's unlike the things that they were doing. And uh, I tried watching it before and it was always kind of, I didn't get it. And finally, <laughs> it just unlocked for me when I watched it this time. And I I really enjoyed the, just kind of the subtle manipulation going on in this 
high society of uh, New York back in the early 1900s, I think it's set. But the story is uh, she is, we know, writer is Daniel Day Lewis's fiance. And then eventually they get right. married in the movie. And, uh, but he is in love with her cousin, Michelle Pfeiffer, who he mm-hmm. knew when they were young. And now she's come back into the city and she's kind of a disgrace woman because she's married to some dude in England, I think. And she's, she's escaping him. She's trying to end the marriage. But back then that was like, you know, the horror. You can't do that. Right, <laughs> so right, she's, right. so the, the entire high society that they move uh, around and uh, they look down on Michelle Pfeiffer. And uh, they would also look down on Daniel Day-Lewis if he broke it off with another writer to be with Michelle Pfeiffer. So the entire movie, there's this just this simmering of sexual tension and longing between Daniel Day-Lewis and Michelle Pfeiffer, who also clearly finds him uh, attractive. And uh, they have this friendship that obviously wants to evolve into something more, but it's like, will they, one day? And uh, towards the end of the movie, I'm kind of going to spoil a little bit of the Age of Innocence for anybody who hasn't seen it. You've seen it, right? Yeah, I've seen it. It's actually in honorable mentions, but I think it's a different scene. But okay, go ahead. we'll see. Because <laughs> this is towards the end. When... As you said, towards the end, that's why I think okay. it's a different scene, but go ahead. Okay, awesome. So towards the end, Winona Ryder has this moment where she absolutely owns Daniel Day-Lewis. Because <laughs> the poor guy, he's finally decided that he's going to just abandon this and go with Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. wherever he may. And just when he's going to go tell Winona Ryder, she very calmly reveals to him that she's pregnant. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which just yeah. seals his fate. The, right. You can see it in, you know, they're both acting and they're doing things without saying them. You know, you can see in his face that he's like, fuck, I can't now. I'm trapped. And you can also see in her face that she knows what's going on. And she knows, it's not just that she's giving him the, these good news, but also she knows that she just won. You know, and she's known all along, or at least like she's known for a long time that he he was thinking of leaving her. And now, right, now right. he can't. And they do all this, it's just all subtext, you know, like the, the dialogue itself is not explaining it. It's just this face-off between them and uh, what would be normally a, a very uh, happy circumstance, set of circumstances for a couple, a married couple. Instead, it's just this big tragic moment for one of them. Uh, it's so good, man. And I, I obviously, I was too young the first time I watched it because all this was just going over my head. I was like, what's going on? What? Why? Does she know? Does she not know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a... I guess this is much of a like dramatic plot twist as you can have in kind of a slow burn movie like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it is that kind of moment where it's like a drop, you know, like, oh, shit. Uh, I think that scene on YouTube is called The Pregnancy Trap, which I thought was funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> I watched a few different scenes that I really, you know, that I remembered from back in the day. But mine, it ended up being my honorable mentions is when she kind of first is because really throughout the whole movie, she kind of suspects him. Mm-hmm. And she kind of thinks like, you know, either he wants to leave me or he's cheating on me. And there's a scene where they're like walking in the courtyard and she's basically straight up. And I just love her dialogue in that scene and how she delivers it. But she's just straight up like, look, dude, is there somebody else? Like, <laughs> just tell me now. Like, let's get this out of the way now. And it's actually funny because it ties into your moment because had he decided like, okay, she's being honest with me. Let me be honest with her. Then it wouldn't have ended up the way that we know it ends up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of ironic in that way too. But I just love how she's just delivering like very calmly, like not like a crazy woman that's like, you know, scorned or whatever. Just very calmly. Like, is there someone else? Like, just tell me like, I, you know, and then she's basically saying like, I know there is. And then by the end of the scene, 
you know, he dupes her and he like kind of convinces her that there's not. And of course the narrator is kind of telling us, which I, that was, I hated that about the movie that was kind of narrated through the whole thing. But, uh, Scorsese okay, loves his narration. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> but in this one, I just felt like it was like literally the entire time. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just remember that being an issue for me, but yeah, anyway, I do love the movie and, uh, it just missed my list of some honorable mentions, but uh, that's a good scene that you have as well. Cause that's kind of like the bomb drop mm-hmm. at the end of that movie, you know? The pregnancy trap is what you should call it on your notes there. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote, Winona owns DDL. There you go. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, my number three is iconic, perhaps the most iconic. Uh, I don't know. I, I, if you're if you're asking across all, like, if you did a, you know, like Family Feud does the, we surveyed 100 people. <laughs> like, if you did that, I don't, this might be the number one answer. But I'm going to say the ending scene to Beetlejuice from 1988. The, I mean, when she's dancing, like yeah, when air. she's yeah, yeah, when she's dancing to shake, 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 mm-hmm. Sonora. I mean, this just killer man, Lydia Dietz, Winona Ryder as this goth teen, which is really this is where I was really introduced to her. So it has such a special place in my heart too. But this movie is one of my all time favorites. It's one of those handful of movies that's like horror adjacent, but not scary enough to where you can show your kids. So I share this with my kids every year. I love watching it with them, but I just love like this story of Lydia's character and how she connects to the afterlife and connects to these ghosts and uh, is kind of dealing with her own fucked up family. And it gives her an, an outlet to not have to deal with that stuff. And she makes these connections that might seem sad on the surface because it's like ghosts mm-hmm. and it's not, not quote unquote real, but you know, we do feel that connection nonetheless. And I feel like at the end of the movie in this scene where she's dancing and, uh, being lifted up there, like it kind of shows like she is happy. She is able to exist like with them, but also in the real world too, you know? And I think it's really cool. It's a really cool, it was a really, really cool ending to this movie. I felt like it was a very uplifting ending. And like I said, it's iconic, man. So it's my number three. What do you think? Oh, I love it. I, I love Beetlejuice. It is, it's, it's what you said, like it's, if you look at it from a certain lens, <laughs> it's really mm-hmm. sad. Right. You know, you have this couple that dies before they can have any kids, they form an attachment to this to this young teenager who has parents that ignore her. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, and at the end, I mean, they're still dead and she still has the same parents. I mean, I, I guess the movie kind of hints that they might have gotten a little better, but it's not – a more traditional happy ending would have Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis coming back to life. Or, or, yeah, or, that's true. You know, something. But instead, it's just, well, this is as good as it can get without them – Going back to life, Winona has uh, made these friends, and they they're all living together in harmony, and there's a balance. And now she gets rewarded with uh, magic tricks whenever yeah, she gets exactly, good grades. Yeah, being able to dance in the air, you know. Yeah, it's it's well, really good. It's it's a uh, it's one of the best Tim Burton movies, I think. I think so too. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, maybe I don't know. I, I keep hearing yes, I keep hearing no on a sequel, but I think maybe we'll get a sequel someday. It's listed, but I don't know at this point. Yeah. I mean, it just keeps going. Like one year it'll be like it's on, and the next year it'll be like, no, we're not doing that anymore. And then the next year it'll be like it's on. <laughs> so I think right now there's still rumors about it happening, but no production's been started or anything like that. So yeah. Um, um, also, my uh, I had I don't have any Beetlejuice moments here. Uh, but that's because my number one Beetlejuice moment when we were talking about it on the show uh, was my number one Winona moment. And that is mm-hmm. when she, I think it's when she's first met Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. And mm-hmm. they're kind of explaining her situation and 
they're like, how, how is it that you can see us? Nobody else can. And she explains that she found the book for the afterlife and read it. And then there they said that living people usually don't see ghosts because they turn a blind eye to the strange and unusual. And then she follows that up by saying, Winona says, I myself am strange and unusual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I love that. Such good delivery because she's so proud That's of so herself good. because she's so unique. <laughs> and, yeah, it's so good, man. Yeah. And it also encapsulates, I think, part of you know what she was at the time as an actress and even what she is now. You know, it's Winona Ryder is herself strange and unusual. And it was I love it. It's just such a good moment for her as a as an actress and for the character, you know, as a character. <laughs> Yeah, well, Beetlejuice is it for me, man. That's my number three. What do you got at your runner-up, buddy? All right, runner-up. This is another classic Winona. I just realized all my post-2000s, like whatever picks I have left are like in the honorable mentions. Because <laughs> this okay. is 1988. This was either right before or right after Beetlejuice. Like they were in production around the same time. Anyway, this is Heathers, which is another one uh, of those movies that defined, I don't know if they define a generation, but they definitely marked the lives of, of a lot of people and so here's christian well, this, slater this is also my number two so i'm curious if we have the same scene so I you, wonder. Give, you give yours first and i'll tell you what mine is all right so mine is the conclusion to the remington party is that yours oh my god that's mine <laughs> well, should i change should i change mine i have others you have others i mean I have, let's celebrate I heathers that. i love this movie but um yeah, so talk a little bit about what's going on in that scene. Okay, so so they go to this party. It's uh, Veronica, which is Winona Ryder, and one of the Heathers, the top Heather. Uh, they're going to this party. Uh, it's like a college party, and they're high schoolers. It's surrounded by dudes that just want to get laid, and uh, uh, very quickly, Veronica's like, I need to get out of here, because she's with some asshole that just wants to hook up with her. The other, uh, and then Heather doesn't want to leave, the entire argument ends with Winona throwing up on her, or throwing up on the floor. Right on the and then they step out and they have it out on the street. They're going back and forth. Heather is just telling her that she's she's nobody without her. She just threw up, you know, that she brought her to this college party and the best she could do was throw up. And then uh, Veronica, with our writer, replies, lick it up, baby, lick it lick up. Lick it up, yeah. <laughs> A freaking classic line, yep. dude. Like just, and you mentioned the delivery on your. Um, we were talking earlier about Beetlejuice too. I mean, she just such great line delivery with that. Yep, she but is yeah, so good. Heather Chandler, Heather Chandler's like, you know, I, I got you into a Remington party, and how do you pay me back? You, <laughs> I got paid in puke, and she's like, lick it up, baby, lick it up. <laughs> it's so rewarding too, and because in the, by now you're about maybe thirty minutes into the movie. So yeah. you know what the dynamic is, and you're like, why is she hanging out with these bitches? <laughs> you know, the right. three Heathers are terrible people, and and Veronica seems to be too smart for them, but you at the same time you get it. You know, it's like social standing. And so this is the moment where she turns on her. She turns on 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 the alpha alpha woman. You know, everything else that happens in the movie comes from this big confrontation. So it's it's really exciting. I I love it. I think I do too. I think what this movie does well, I'll give another uh, silly scene that popped in my head when I was, um, I knew this was going to be on my list. Um, Heathers, I mean, but uh, what's, what's cool about this movie is that it really like just ripped apart the traditional eighties, like teen comedy that we were getting. That was just everywhere. Like all the John Hughes stuff. All, and not to take anything away from that. So I love all those movies too, but it was just like, what if those movies descended into like murder and mayhem and, you know, poisoning your friend, you know what I'm saying? Like 
what if Ferris Bueller's Day Off was mixed with what we get here and it's Heather's, you know what I mean? So I just love how genius it was now, you know, courageous it was at the time in the late eighties. Cause we just weren't getting those dark, dark mm-hmm. comedies like that on such a, like, you know, superficial kind of bubblegum level, you know, like on the, on the cover. And then what's in the, on the inside was so different and so dark, you know, but still funny too. And it was a social commentary, obviously. And it's just one of my favorite movies of the eighties easily. But another scene I love is, and again, mad spoilers for a 1988 film. But anyway, they, uh, Christian Slater and Winona end up killing uh, Heather Chandler, the girl that you were just talking about her getting into the argument with. Mm-hmm. And they end up poisoning her and she dies. And the next day or like a couple days later, they're, you know, they think that Heather killed herself. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the classroom, they're having this like, kind of like round table discussion and they're having all the kids kind of like talk about their feelings and like, you know, all these like off characters that aren't like major characters in the movie are, are giving a little, you know, their little diatribe and like why they're sad and like all this stuff. And somebody's talking about how like tortured Heather was and, you know, how she was such a layered like per because everybody thinks she killed herself. And of course, Veronica knows there was no suicide, mm-hmm. and she just starts laughing. Yep. Do you remember? Like, oh, yeah. notice this? Like, starts <laughs> laughing, and then everybody kind of turns to look at her, and she just like acts like she's crying. Yeah. I just love that moment because it kind of shows, like, the, like I was talking about the social commentary of like just how horrible this Heather must have been. You know what I mean? For her to like laugh after she killed her, <laughs> while her <laughs> friends are like giving their you know remembrance of her. You know. Um, so that would be another moment that I can mention as my number two, but yeah, I got Heather's also buddy. So we matched up there. That's awesome. That's, that's good. I'm, I, I'm not upset that, that, that we cross over there because it's such a good moment and I'm so happy that you can quote it. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Lick it up, baby. Uh, such an iconic, uh, I also love when she meets Christian Slater for the first time in the cafeteria too. Mm-hmm. And she walks up to him with her notebook, you know, and he's like, are you a Heather? And she's like, no, I'm a Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best script writing, dude. It's just so good. All right, so there we go. We matched up on Heather's, both of our runner-ups, and I just threw another scene in there, so a couple different scenes for you. And we're up to our number ones, Julio, so I'm excited to see what you got over there, buddy. What's your number one Winona Ryder movie moment? Okay, well, I already gushed about this movie uh, a little bit uh, earlier. You had me you had me worried, because I thought you were going to talk about this moment in Reality Bites, mm. but this is a, you went with a different one. Um, okay. Mine is a little quieter, but I, you know, you said that uh, Winona telling Ethan Hawke to get his shit together because life doesn't owe him anything. Like that mm-hmm. was her talking to you. And this is Lelena. My moment is Lelena talking, I guess, to to me in a way, or, or, you know, I can relate to this moment, especially, you know, the older I get and the, every time I watch this movie. And that's when this is right before they have sex, before Ethan Hawke and, and Una Ryder finally hook up. Because she's, she's come back from terrible experience with Ben Stiller like where you know she thought that he was going to protect her work but instead he's kind of bastardized it and she's really upset she comes back and she starts having this heart to heart with uh, uh, with Troy explaining to him that she's just unhappy she doesn't know what she's doing with her life and he's trying to comfort her and then she says I just thought I'd be someone at 23 <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you're is, going, wow. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I think everybody. <laughs> I feel you, honey. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, I think that when you're really young, you set these uh, deadlines for yourself. 
And, yeah, uh, true. The truth is, especially as you get older, you understand that, well, that's, you know, you can set that deadline to yourself. You might even meet it. But the truth is, there's so much luck involved in life that, <laughs> honestly, you yeah. should just be happy that you're alive by 23. And then right. by whatever other deadlines you set yourself up. And, and you'll find happiness in different ways, probably. There's a good chance that, you know, even if you achieve your deadline, that's not really what's making you happy. What's making you happy is other things like people you've met or other things that you've accomplished. So, but still, you know, who it, it, it's just so relatable that I can go back to when I was in my early 20s and thinking, okay, well, I'm like five years away from really making it and then I don't have to worry about anything else. It's just, right, right. Uh, it's just a very human, very honest moment and I love it. And uh, yeah, I'm and not a big does. fan of them as a couple, but I, I buy that they hook up in this moment. Yeah. And she was vulnerable at that too. You know, mm-hmm. she, yeah, she felt like she was kind of missing something, her character that in that, in that scene as well. And But you're right, man. It's like life's always evolving. You know, we just kind of set these unrealistic kind of like not not necessarily even unrealistic, but just like we just don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I can remember my parents like always, you know, like giving me advice or like telling me to do this or that. And like you just kind of shrug it off. And then when you get older, like I'll be 47 this year. You go, wow! They they fucking knew what they were talking about. Like, why did I listen to them? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> why did I listen to them when twenty years ago or twenty five years ago? You know? But yeah, so great pick, man. Reality bites. So we crossed up on that film, but a different moment there. And my number one, I can't believe this movie didn't come up yet, although Tim Burton did. But it's Edward Scissorhands and Winona Ryder with the blonde hair in this man mm-hmm. as Kim. <laughs> as Kim was the object. Of not only Edward's affection, but also mine, brother. Uh, wow. Um, but there's a scene, it's at the end of the movie, when she's essentially, I, I called it the dancing in the snow scene uh-huh. at the end of the movie. But she's just, you know, twirling around with the Christmas lights there at the backdrop, and Edward's doing the ice sculpture. So, you know, it has the appearance that it's snowing, and she's so excited to see the snow, even mm-hmm. though it's, you know, fake, I guess. But what's really cool about that scene is, like, it kind of is edited in a way and kind of like mixed together with the elder Winona a little bit later, kind of telling the story of where snow comes from, which is kind of what the whole movie, how the whole movie kind of starts. She's talking to her grandchildren. And so it kind of ties back into her telling this entire story, which is the movie that just played out. And I don't know, it's just a very beautiful kind of like childlike uh, scene where we get to see, you know, the younger version living through the story that she's been telling us and how it, you know, it means so much to her and how she says, you know, whenever it snows or the kids, like, how do you know he's still, alive? I can't remember what the exact dialogue is. Maybe you do, but you know, the kid wants to know, how do you know he's still up there? And she's like, well, you know, cause it still snows, yep. you know, or, or whenever it's snowing, I know he's there or something like that. So it's just a very beautiful kind of like, she's remembering her time with Edward and, you know, it's such a fantastical story. And it's a, it's really a fairy tale, you know, a kind of a dark fairy tale that Tim Burton, I mean, Vincent Price, this movie's, I could talk about this movie all the fucking day long, <laughs> but to keep it to my Winona scene, um, I love the scene of her dancing in the snow and how that kind of comes to fruition for the story that we've been told uh, with her as a narrator, as a grandmother. So that's my pick from Edward. What do you think about this one? Oh, I, I love it. It's a, it, it's a beautiful image it, just to begin with. And uh, you're right. It's... It's great because you see it first happening sort of in real time, and then it's called back again when you get to the end. It's it's also I think that just it happens just before things go bad. 
you know, mm-hmm. like shortly mm-hmm. after, it's just uh, he accidentally cuts her, and then the bully shows up, and mm-hmm. it just it all spirals. And before you know it, the entire right. time is the entire town is hunting him, and it's just uh, that makes it bittersweet. I I really like Edward Scissorhands, and uh, well, first of all, uh, this this was my third moment that I put aside that it was on my penalty oh, okay. box. All right. Her okay. twirling under the the ice snowflakes is because it's just. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous shot. It's just so evocative. And with Edward Scissorhands, it's funny because, you know, we watched it when we were doing the the Monona run uh, for the show. And uh, I, I mean, I'd always known it, but I guess watching it as an adult, it, it was, I realized it's not so much a romance. I, I think that the, the marketing and a lot of people remember it as a romance, but there is, uh, you know, they have a connection, her and, and Johnny Depp and Edward. But when they get to the end and she tells him that, she loves him, and and I, mm-hmm. that was close. Like I almost picked that as a moment to put here in this mm-hmm. top five. But when she tells him that she loves him, it's more of uh, it's not so much that she's telling him, "Hey, I love you. I want to, you know, have a life together with you or whatever." Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. more just she's seeing these uh, she's seeing this cre- creature that has been just hounded and and hurt so much, and she's just telling him, reassuring him that somebody else in the world like actually cares for him and loves him so it's it's that kind mm-hmm. of love at least that when when i read it like that it made the movie so much more special because you know as as a romance i think it's a little harder to to buy or at least you have to really turn it into a fairy tale it was like you know she barely knows him how does she how can she love him right <laughs> when right. you're like no she's just being compassionate and she loves him as right you did just this this other human being and, and yeah. she's just letting him know that that makes i think the movie even more powerful so it, yeah i think that's a great take because you know edward is really the epitome of like loneliness you know especially since his you know creator passes and i mean he literally has no one you know lives in his castle mm-hmm. in, the, in the middle of the woods by himself and i mean doesn't even know any human contact. And I mean, you're right. So I think it is a level of compassion from her character. And I think that scene that I named dancing in the snow really kind of captures kind of like the childlike wonderment of, of this movie too. Cause it is a really fantastical, like kind of crazy fairy tale, yep. you know? And that scene is just like, so like lighthearted and, and be- shot beautifully and very, very memorable. I feel like. And it's probably one of the most memorable like images from her film career, probably. Yes, I I think it's it's one of the things where like you can, it will show up on your uh, at the top of the results on your Google search. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So there you go, Edward Scissorhands dancing in the snow is my number one. Uh, tell you what, man, we're gonna take a quick break, Julio. We'll do that. We'll take a little Patreon break here. Make sure you guys listen if you want to join up over on Patreon as Julio has done, because I do all kinds of crazy shit over there, like counting down my favorite songs of all time and <laughs> watching movies for the first time that I've never seen. And, you know, who knows? I'm doing all kinds of stuff over there on Patreon. So we'll take a break for that, Julio. And then when we come back, we will give our honorable mentions and we'll see what the fans had to say over in the old suggestion box. So everybody sit tight. We will be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there's a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. 
Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, guys. As I said pre-break, my good friend Julio is here from the Contrarians. Thank you so much for being here, brother. And we just counted down our favorite Winona Ryder movie moments. Not performances, not movies. <laughs> Julio's here, so we had to <laughs> do something a little bit different. But it was a lot of fun. And uh, we had a couple of movie crossovers, but different scenes, which was really cool, too. So if you guys revisit these, maybe you'll hear me and Julio kind of talking about these scenes in your head a little bit when you rewatch them. But before we uh, go over to Facebook and see what the fans had to say, Julio, why don't we give our honorable mentions? I've got five. I cheated on one. Ooh. You're going to be mad. You're going to be mad at me, but that's okay. I'll let you give your audibles first. <laughs> what do you got over there, brother, that didn't make the top five? All right. Uh, this is uh, my, this will be my number 10, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go from 10 to 6. So oh, okay. Wow. Uh, you're going to do, do it that way. That's a good do your thing, man. <laughs> so my number 10 is uh, from 2011. So this is probably a movie you haven't seen because this is from that, uh, yeah. that wild lonely patch of movies of Winona movies that you haven't seen yet it's called the dilemma it's a ron howard movie uh, what she's not even in the poster she's uh it's vince vaughn and kevin james smiling at you the poster are you familiar wow. with this movie oh wait a minute i think now that you mentioned the poster i think i am but i've never saw it i don't think yeah it's uh the, the setup is really uh i don't know how they made a whole movie out of this <laughs> Because it's pretty uh, simple. It's uh, Vince Vaughn and Kevin James are best friends. Uh, Kevin James is married to Winona Ryder, if you can believe that. He's uh, mm, just by, by force of charm. And, uh, <laughs> and Vince Vaughn is uh, engaged to Jennifer Connelly. Uh, two mm. dudes, you know, uh, just uh, kicking. Living live the dream, apparently. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he, Vince Vaughn, finds out that Winona Ryder is cheating on Kevin James with Channing Tatum, of all people. What? Yes. <laughs> wow. This is too much for me. And then, so the dilemma, the titular dilemma is, what should Vince Vaughn do? Should he tell his friend? Or should we, or should he just stay out of it? How does he handle this? Wow. The movie kind of stretches this dilemma for almost two hours. It's yeah. not a great movie, but it is a better movie than it has any right to be. <laughs> it, I, okay. When we All watched right. it for the show, it was just kind of surprising that it actually had some really good stuff in it. Uh Above all, I think, Winona Ryder's performance, because this is adult Winona Ryder, and she's playing this character that finds herself in a situation where she's not apologetic about the fact that she's cheating on Kevin James. She's just like, look, this is my life. And, you know, because Vince Vaughn confronts her at some point and she, uh, she just tells him to fuck off, basically. And it, it's, it's really cool. It's like she, she really, you know, it's a very flawed character. And, uh, but she plays in a way that doesn't make it uh, sympathetic, but it makes it at least where it's, it's interesting to watch. The moment the moment that makes it to the list is when you first see you you discover along with Vince Vaughn that she's cheating on Kevin James and they're like at this sort of like a park Vince Vaughn is looking scoping out uh, potential venues I think for his wedding or something and he hears Winona Ryder's voice and so he looks through some bushes and he sees her kissing Channing Tatum dude that Uh, kiss and it was in the trailer too okay (laughs) alright that's a kiss that's that's like a, a you can see that there's chemistry there between Winona Ryder oh, and Channing Tatum. Okay, it, all right. It's it's pretty. It makes an impression. It, it, all right. In the, both in the movie, like in the characters and in the audience. So um, you don't have to watch uh, the dilemma, but you should at least YouTube the the kiss between Winona Ryder and uh, Channing Tatum. The dilemma, indeed. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The dilemma is gonna be like whether you want to watch the rest of the movie or not. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
That's your number 10. All right, what else you got? (laughs) Number nine, uh, it's also 1994. It's Little Women, uh, which has, I mean, you know, Winona is the the protagonist of that one. She's playing Joe. I like the newest Little Women. I like the 94 version even more. I think Winona, I I guess, you know, she's just my Joe. She's like the one that I know uh, as as Joe. And she Mm -hmm. plays, her character doesn't have, in in this version, she doesn't get to show off as much as... uh, the character does in the 2018, 2019 version. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a couple of like really uh, wonderful moments. And of course, like the one that if we're going to, you know, go with the, the, the Oscar clip, one of them is definitely when she turns down uh, Teddy's proposal, Teddy played by Christian Bale, future Batman, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're friends, they're, they're childhood friends. He's been in love with her their entire life. And then he finally, Proposes her, proposes to her, and she has to turn him down and tell him, "Don't worry, you know, I just can't. I'm not made to be a wife." And Bale mm-hmm. tells her, "Like, oh, you are. You just don't want to marry me." And he's right because mm-hmm. eventually she hooks up with someone else. Right, uh, right. But it's uh, like Bale's doing all the all the heavy lifting in that in that scene because she's being he's being very you know melodramatic as he would because he's a you know young man, and we know it's just trying to handle it and just that that moment when she realizes that he's going to propose is great and then just a little bit later there's that moment where she realizes that she has to break his heart that she has to be very straightforward with him it's mm-hmm. it's really good so that's my uh number nine all right yeah it's in my list too but i have a different um a different scene i'll tell you when i list my honorables but go ahead all right then we go to 1997 i want to say for alien resurrection Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, we're not just playing an android there, but of course, uh, spoilers, because uh, the movie at least doesn't want you to know that she's an android until they have a big reveal later in the movie, uh, which is silly because the marketing revealed that she was an android. <laughs> when they I was going to say, that, that was a secret? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, when you watch the movie, like they don't mention that, that she's an android, and then there is a big moment where they reveal it. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because yeah. she gets shot, and they're like, oh my gosh, she's still alive. Um but anyway, there's this really uh, wonderful moment, a bit of comedy, where she is pretending to be drunk when our writer, she's like sitting with the rest of the crewmates because she's part of the crew of this kind of like pirate ship uh, in the alien universe. And uh, she's pretending to be drunk because she's, she's an android. We don't know that at that point in the movie, but, you know, she can't get drunk, but she's acting like she's drunk. And the reveal is she she has like a beer in front of her at this table, and then she puts her hands on the table and she's wearing boxing gloves for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and then she tries to drink to grab the, the, the beer with the boxing gloves and spills everything. And, uh, and everybody gets mad and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go clean it up or whatever. And that, that was her excuse to get out of the room because she wanted to go check on Sigourney Weaver. But anyway, wow. we don't have pretending to be a drunk uh, robot. Yeah, it sounds pretty hilarious, yeah, actually. It's it's pretty lovely. Uh, Good stuff. My number, what would be this? Uh, seven. Seven. My mm-hmm. number seven. This one you might have uh, because this is, she's not in a whole lot of this movie, but she has a couple of like big memorable uh, bits. And that's 2010 Black Swan. Yeah, I do. Is, do you have like the moment where she? I, I think it's when we first see her when she first meets Natalie Portman. No, I ha- no, it's not the when she, when she first you meets suck her. Suck his cock. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's drunk. She's this. Uh, I guess she's the 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 previous muse of uh, Vincent Cassell's character. Uh, right, and, right, yeah. And Natalie Portman is the new muse, and Winona is drunk and just 
has it out with her. She just tells her what's what and basically implies that Natalie Portman, the only reason Natalie Portman has the part is because she's she's having sex with Vincent Cassell. Yeah, she's, she says, yeah, she says, did you have to suck his cock? And she goes, no, we didn't all have to do that. Yeah, yeah. And then she goes, oh. <laughs> And she doesn't like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, she's that like was, cussing at her as she's leaving. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. was one of those where people didn't know, I, I didn't know when our writer was in the movie. And I was distracted during the scene because I'm like, is that we know the writer? <laughs> she has right, like the, right. the heavy uh, eyeshadow and everything. It's She is great. Uh, yeah, she's really good in that. Yeah. Hands, hands it up for sure. And then my number five is, uh, let me double check, but I think it's 1996. Uh, and that is another... Uh, yes, 1996 is another uh, Dale Day-Lewis, we're not writer, uh, team up. Uh, they were in The Crucible together. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. This time, I mean, once again, sort of lovers. Once again, like a very troubled relationship. Uh, the entire thing in The Crucible is that he's a married man. He's married to Joan Allen. And we're not a writer. He's had an affair with her. And now we know a writer's obsessed with him. And right. She ends up bringing down the town of Salem <laughs> because she starts right. accusing yeah. people of being witches, just in a way, almost so she can have him. It's, it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a really cool, uh, really terrifying uh, arc for her character. But there is a moment, the moment where they have this confrontation where Dale Day Lewis, his name is John Proctor, and uh, we're our writers Abigail, and Proctor pulls her out, and he's like, "Okay, this is getting out of control. Cut the shit." Tell everybody that you can't hear voices anymore. <laughs> Stop accusing people of being witches. This ends now. And we know a writer who's a much younger uh, person than he is, in a, and smaller too, but she's not intimidated at all. Instead, she doubles down and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the voice of God. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, I, right, right, right. And you better be careful how you talk to me. <laughs> Because yeah. who knows who I might finger next, uh, you know, my point yeah. to next. It's uh, it's really cool. Once again, we're not a writer owning Daniel Day-Lewis. I know, yeah. That's like a motif on your list over there. Yeah, it's it's really right. cool. It's it's a, I want to say it's an underseen movie. I don't know if it's that uh, it seemed a little too too stuffy for, for people. I remember it didn't do well when it first came out, but I, I think yeah. it's great. It's uh, based on an uh, Arthur Miller play, and it's uh, I think it's a really good adaptation. Yeah, it's going. Well, you mentioned all mine. My number six is the Cher Winona fight in the kitchen in Mermaids. Well, I should say you mentioned all my movies. <laughs> uh, my number seven, the same, that same, did you suck his cock from the Black Swan? That's my number seven. <laughs> number eight from Little Women is when uh, Joe and Lori meet for the first time. Teddy, when they meet oh, for the, the first party. time. Yeah, at the party. And they just kind of have a lighthearted banter. And, you know, Joe finds out he's checking out her sister. And, like, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's just fun. And, I always got the sense that Winona was like, you know, really trying to be true to the source material in that scene and like really trying to get it right. And I thought she did a really, really good job throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But I think she got nominated for this one, too, actually. Yeah. yeah. Age I, of I Innocence like and this one, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then my number nine would have been the scene in Age of Innocence that I already talked about where she knows there's somebody else that he's messing with. And then I cheated because my number 10 is from Stranger Things. Oh, no. How dare uh, you? But... <laughs> As an elder kind of parent now, I really connected in season one when she lost Will and he was in the... You watch Stranger Things, right? Yes. I was going to say, yeah, if it's from yeah, season yeah. four, uh, I haven't seen that one yet, but you can spoil no, it. No, no, no. It's from the first season when Will's in the Upside Down and we find out that he can communicate through lights. So she puts up all the Christmas lights mm-hmm. and 
on the wall, which is like now an iconic image from the show. And I think it's her ex-husband or Hopper. I can't remember one or the other come in and are kind of trying to get her to take the lights down. Like, you know, you seem crazy. Like he can't talk to you from the after, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And she's, she just kind of like breaks down and she's like, if there's any chance that Will's out there and I'm never taking these lights down until he's back, you know, and she just like, as a mother is just like broken and just breaking Mm -hmm. down and, and you can see kind of the just desperation to get her son back in that scene and in that really the whole season, but definitely in that scene is, is a showcase. So that would have been my number 10 when she uh, portrayed Joyce Byers there on Stranger Things. So I cheated a little bit. I'll, I'll allow it because I, Winona Ryder is the main reason. Okay, well, at this point, she's the main reason I started watching Stranger Things. And at this point, she's the only reason I'm going to watch season four eventually. Uh, okay, all right. Like the show is good. I'm just not its target audience. I, I've kind of. After season three, I was kind of worn out with the with the gimmick. I'm just I want him to move out of that town and do something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as long as they have Winona Ryder in the cast, I'll keep coming back because that's you know that's, that's how I get my my Winona dose. Like, yeah, that's a draw for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, man. So there you go. That was our top five and then some Winona Ryder <laughs> movie moments. We're gonna head over to end the episode like we do every week, Julio. We're gonna open up the old suggestion box. Guys, if you have not joined up yet, please check the show notes and join up to the Facebook fan group. That's where I try to interact with my fans the most, and we do things like the suggestion box. So I just said, what are your favorite Winona Ryder movie moments over there? We didn't get a ton of comments this week, Julio, probably because you stumped them. (laughs) But, (laughs) But let's go through some of them. Patron and friend of the show, Tony. This guy is awesome, by the way, because Tony will listen to the show. It drops on Mondays, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my text messages will start going off at like 8 a.m. on Monday morning because he'll be texting me about (laughs) listening to the episode, you know? It's great. I love it. I told Tony, I'm like, I love getting my Monday morning text from you. But anyway, he's got a gif of uh, Lydia from Beetlejuice dancing uh, above the stairs. So one of my my moments. And uh, Josh Raglan, patron of the show, says that he was going to basically mention the exact same scene. So there you go. And so did David Powell. Uh, he was also going to mention that scene. So I think that's a pretty, like I said, that might be the most iconic one of hers. Uh, Josh Raglan did say when Veronica meets JD and Heathers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, which I love that scene as well. And David Powell says, how very. <laughs> <laughs> Joey DiCarlo just says the entire runtime of Heathers. <laughs> Hey, he's not wrong. Uh, Joey Austin says, reality bites, but when I Google it, I also see she was in Zoolander. So I don't remember her, but I do like Zoolander better, which is crazy to me that he likes it better than reality <laughs> bites. But there you go. I haven't seen Zoolander, but I, I know she has a cameo on it. Yeah, she's not, in, she's not in a lot from what I remember, but it is hilarious. Jared Taylor, patron and friend of the show, has the iconic gif of her dancing in the snow from Edward Scissorhands. So there, there you go. go. Uh, Chris Yaney, you know that guy. He's uh, got a uh, gift from Beetlejuice is where she says, my whole life is a dark room. One <laughs> big dark room. Gosh, she's so good. In that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the best delivery too, man. Uh, I don't normally do more than one, Joey Austin says, but he's going to say Lucas. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, I don't I've know seen Lucas. it. She has a small part, but she's she's really good in it. She's uh, Okay. She's the, have you seen it? No, I haven't. So she is, uh, man, is it Corey? No, it's not Corey Feldman. Is it Corey Haim that plays Lucas? I'm not sure. But he's basically, Lucas is like a kid that's kind of shy and not bullied, but uh, sometimes bullied, I guess. <laughs> he's, uh-huh. He make the, the the story is not about him and we know a writer. He has a crush on like a new girl in town and he lies to her about 
his social standing and you know he's like oh that's my house and like that works on this and whatever it's all a lie because he's actually you know kind of like a poor kid and uh, not cool at all and the entire movie is just waiting for the moment where this girl's gonna find out the truth and Lucas mm. is gonna be miserable and uh, okay. we know a writer is this sort of small supporting character she's a girl that actually likes him <laughs> she actually likes mm-hmm. Lucas and <laughs> Lucas doesn't really pay attention to her because he's in love with this other uh Right, that's how it always just, goes. Yeah, you know? I know. And yeah, I'm like, dude, yeah. it's Winona Ryder. What are you doing? Uh, David Powell's got a couple more here. He says, is it too, quote unquote, creepy Gerald to say when she licks Michael's leather jacket and mermaids? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, David. You got my stamp of approval. <laughs> I think that there's no, I mean, you just, you opened this, this your list with a, yeah, with a creepy Gerald moment. I did, I did. And he also says uh, he really liked her uh, with Gina Rollins in Night on Earth, which is not one I've seen either. Uh, I've seen it. It's it's kind of a weird movie. It's uh, broken up in four parts. It's like four short stories. And mm-hmm. so I think we noticed in the first oh, okay. one, she plays a, a cab driver. <laughs> it's so weird. She's like, she's this really young girl driving a cab and Gina Rowland is uh, her passenger. And they just have, it's mostly dialogue driven. They're just talking the entire ride and... I mean, I like her, but it's not, I don't like the movie. A lot of great Winona Ryder moments, I feel like. And I love all these movies and I need to revisit Mr. Deeds. That's for sure. That was the one on your list that I don't really remember all too well, but. Yeah. And I really, now I'm really curious what you think of the dilemma. So yeah, <laughs> I need to check that out too. Yeah. Maybe at least her scenes, I guess. Yeah. I'll check that out. Check that kiss out. You know. <laughs> all right, brother. Well, there you go. Thanks so much for being here, uh, as I said, and it means the world to me. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and Alex over there at The Contrarians, man? Uh, well, just look up The Contrarians on your podcatchers. You'll find us there. You can uh, look at our website, wearethecontrarians.com, for our information. Uh, on Twitter, uh, at Contrarian Prime. I, I run that account. Alex is at Contrarian Alex. Uh, but we interact mostly on Twitter. And... Um, but yeah, we like we like talking to people about movies. That's that's the whole reason we're doing this thing. And yeah, dude. If they're, they're underappreciated movies, then all the better. Yeah, dude, for sure. Check out The Contrarians. All their information will be in the show notes. Julio, thanks again for being here, man. You know I love you. It's a pleasure. I am so happy you're back, by the way. I, I don't oh, think... Thanks, I mean, I've told you, like, on, on Twitter, on messages, you know, hey, welcome back. But this is officially me on air telling you, right. welcome back, dude. It's, it's great yeah, to have thanks, you. Man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun to be back in the driver's seat and have people like you on that I've done so many shows with and been friends with. And I didn't want to not be a part of this community, you know, so mm-hmm. I wanted to try to figure out a way to make it work. So I just had to, you know, kind of chill on the YouTube stuff so that I could do this, you know. So got to pick my battles, so to speak. Yeah. So, but we'll figure it out. You know, one of these days I'll be dead and it won't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> Hey, way to go out on the show. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But no, really, man. Thanks for being here. It means a lot. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, guys. We will see you next week. We'll be back with another top five. Uh, Until then, everybody take care.